Chapter 1. The Beginning Reason shifts uncomfortably in a plastic chair as he finishes filling out a form in a well-lit lobby. There are only two others who share the space with him, the receptionist who is engrossed in a magazine and a young woman two chairs down sipping a diet soda. As Reason mentally prepares himself for his first meeting with his uncle, he wrestles with the events that brought him to the point of desperation, to the point of needing this kind of help. Believe me, I wouldn't be here if I didn't have to be. My mom always said that only freaks and crazy people go to see a shrink. I don't know, maybe I am going crazy. The past few days have been just that. Still doesn't make this any easier. It's a good thing that I have an uncle in the business, though. I don't think I could tell this to just anyone. They probably wouldn't believe me anyway. What am I saying? Uncle Jared probably won't believe me either. I'm still trying to get a handle on it myself. H-I-N-G. There, finished. I can never understand why these forms ask for so much personal information. I feel like I just wrote a novel. As the secretary continues reading her article, she notices that someone is casting a shadow on the page. She looks up to address Reason, who hands her the completed form. All finished, sir? I certainly hope so. I think I have carpal tunnel from all of that writing. Just procedure. Let me look it over for you. Good. Good. Oh, you have to sign your legal name, Mr. Bean? Oh, sorry. She hands him the form, and he makes the correction. Where did you get a nickname like Resin anyway, if you don't mind me asking? Actually, we pronounce it Reason. I got it in grade school. The secretary raises an eyebrow, as if waiting for the rest of the story. I hated getting teased for having a name like Bartholomew. A friend of mine gave it to me as kind of a joke. A joke? My last name is Being. Reason Being, get it? Cute. I think you're all set, Mr. Bean. In a small room, a well-dressed man in his mid-70s adjusts his reading glasses before speaking into his smartphone's recording app. While sitting at a large desk, he takes a sip of coffee before continuing his dictation. Um, patient experiences nausea when confronted with issues concerning in-laws, has fear of heights, fear of confined spaces, and fear of rejection. <laughs> Sounds like virtually every human being I've ever met. Patient still has a problem talking about his past, probably still harboring painful memories of his parents' divorce. Review case number 127 for further reference. Excuse me, Dr. Robeck. Your 1130 appointment is ready. Hmm. Thank you. Uh, send him in. Reason enters, immediately giving his uncle a hearty handshake. Bartholomew, please have a seat. Please, Uncle Jared, call me Reason. My mother doesn't even call me Bartholomew anymore. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, of course. How's she doing these days? Well, you know, she still struggles, but she's doing okay. Uncle Jared, can we just get on with this before I talk myself out of it? Still unsure, huh? Well, you sounded quite confused on the phone. Let me assure you that you did the right thing. Talking things out with a professional may give you the clarity you're looking for. Would you like to have something to drink before we start? Coffee? Tea? Soda? No, I'm fine, thanks. Uh, go ahead. Make yourself comfortable. So, this is your first time talking to anyone about this. Yeah, and believe it or not, you're the only person I'd even think to talk to about this. Being that your family and your shrink and all... 
No offense. No, no. That's okay. There are a couple of rules that I have. I place them in effect the moment you walk through that door. I'll never look down on you for what you say, and everything is, of course, fully confidential. I expect you to be open and honest with me, and you can expect the same in return. I want you to feel at ease and tell me what's on your mind. Yeah, okay. Do you mind if I record this conversation? Uh, For my own personal reference, of course. Uh, no. That's all right. Go ahead. Dr. Jared creates a new file on his recording app and hits the record button. Okay, Reason. Are you comfortable? Yeah, I guess. Any questions before we begin? No, let's just get on with it. Okay. So, Reason, tell me why you're here. Reason slouches on the couch and rests his foot on the coffee table as to settle in for a long discussion. I don't even know where to start. I'll just start at the beginning. And if you can, speak to me as if I'm one of your good friends. Try to forget that I'm your uncle. Okay. Well, as you know, my sister died when she was 16 in a car accident. I was 14 at the time. I didn't really think about life or death until that moment. Even now, at 30, I still can't get it out of my mind. It's been really bad the last few weeks. I told my boss that I needed to take some sick time. I couldn't sleep, I didn't eat, and to tell you the truth, I even thought about suicide. All because I was confused, worried really, about the meaning of life. I mean, was there a God running it all? I talked to this guy at the gym about whether he believes in God or not. He told me, As Reason continues, he plays back his encounter at the gym in his mind. He remembers reclining on a bench, lifting weights, as his friend shares his point of view. I can't tell you what to think, but this is the way I feel. If God is this all-knowing being, then why does he know when a baby dies, when someone gets cancer? And if he does know and is supposed to be all-loving, why does he let those things happen? And if he's supposed to be all-powerful, why can't he stop it? Reason's attention shifts back. Those words rang loud and clear. I began to think that maybe there wasn't a God. Maybe when we're gone, that's it. I thought about my sister. I thought she was gone forever. So how did that thought make you feel? How do you think it made me feel? It drove me crazy. Believing that anything you do in life doesn't mean anything? I wanted to die. I mean, if there was no God, no afterlife, what are we doing here? Anyway, I got really depressed. Wouldn't talk to anyone. Wouldn't eat, sleep. So I rented a room. Brought my gun and my laptop with me with the express intent on ending it right there. Your laptop? Gotta leave a suicide note. Anyway, I booted up the computer and started to type. Once again, Reason's attention shifts to the moment he is describing in his hotel room. It is darkly lit. The only light within the room emanates from the window and the screen on his computer monitor. Reason sits upright on the bed, looking at the computer screen. An empty page looks back at him as the cursor blinks, waiting for him to type. Boy, this is hard. What am I going to say? Well, I guess I can start it off by saying, to whom it may concern. No, no, too generic. How about, this is Bartholomew Being, 
to do this of my own free will. Maybe I should say something to Mom. Mom, I'm sorry. I just couldn't take life anymore. I was just... so depressed and miserable. I don't expect you to understand. I love you. I'll miss you. I hope it doesn't read as stupid as it sounds. <sighs> I guess that'll have to do. Reason sets his laptop aside and stands. He looks over at the nightstand where a 9mm hand pistol sits. Picking it up, he studies it as if trying to decide what to do. If there is no God, what I do now won't matter. And if there is, well, I guess I'll be seeing him soon. God, if you are real, pull up a chair. I have a lot to talk to you about. I was just standing there with a gun in my hand. When I walked in that room, I fully intended it to be my last on this earth. But then something hit me like a lightning bolt. All at once, the whole idea about taking my life seemed really wrong. More than that, it felt like a catastrophic mistake. Reason sits back on the bed, cupping his head in his hands. Wait, wait, what am I doing? I can't do this. No, this isn't right. Oh man. I must be going insane. I better put you away before I... Yeah, I better put you away. He opens the drawer on the nightstand and pauses before putting the gun inside. Then there it was. There what was? The Bible. Just sitting there. I never read the Bible before. Too big, too confusing. I could never stomach the these and thous. But for some reason, I wanted to read it this time. I just felt, I just felt the answer was in there. I didn't know where to start, so I just opened it anywhere and started to read. Right there in black and white, and some red too. I read the words from John 20, 29 through 31. I'll never forget it. It said, Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jared listens with a furrowed brow as reason continues his account. There is no longer any eye contact. Instead, reason looks at the ceiling remembering his transformation. I spent all night reading and reading, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I believed all right. My mother used to tell me some of the stories in the Bible. Now they were real, coming alive before my eyes. I prayed that night. This may sound strange to you, but I knew at that point what happens after death. I truly felt different, physically different. In what way? It's like things were clearer. I could sense the presence of good in the room. I began to see calm, wispy forms of blue all around me. I knew this wasn't natural. As a matter of fact, I've never heard of this happening to anyone when they got saved. It was really strange, almost as if I could sense the spiritual world around me. I didn't know if I was seeing things or if it was even real. I really don't know what happened. That's why I'm here. This happened three days ago. Every time I really get into the Bible, same thing. I see this wispy blue around me. You'd think I'd be scared, but 
it's actually very peaceful. It's like I can feel God all around me. Now I'm totally focused on knowing more about God, about Jesus. I've begun reading the Bible, and I plan to read it cover to cover. I didn't think you'd believe me. No, no, I never said I didn't believe you. But I certainly think we should schedule another appointment. A few more sessions should help us get a better handle on things. The truth is, you don't know what you experienced three days ago. It may take a little time to iron everything out, but I'm confident that there's a logical explanation. I promise you, with a little time, we can get to the bottom of this. You know, thanks anyway, Uncle Jared. To be honest with you, I don't think I'd understand exactly what happened, even if we met for a year. The talk did help, though. I guess there's something to be said about this psychology business. Thanks. I think. Reason gets up and begins to leave. Be sure to give me a call if you need to talk, okay? Sure thing. Thanks again. And give my love to your mother. Once Reason is out of sight, Jared stops the recording on his phone, then dials. He just left. And Eric? You were right. Reason exits the office building, gets in his blue BMW, and drives off. On his way back to the apartment, he contemplates the recent events. Looking back on things, I can't figure how I ever reached that level of depression. I've been depressed before, but to the point of suicide? Way back when I was 12 years old, Tarlu, my martial arts trainer, would always tell me that the battlefield is in the mind. I guess I was losing that battle. Thank God for saving me. If he didn't, I'd be dead right now. As Reason pulls up and parks behind the apartment complex, a dark figure watches from the shadows. Reason exits his car and enters the building. Inside, Reason notices Richard, his landlord, stooping by his door preparing to slide envelopes underneath it. Richard stops when he sees Reason approaching. Ah, Reason, there you are. Richard, aren't you a little early for rent collection? That's not why I'm here. Seems you've been gone a little while and decided not to tell anyone. I've been holding your mail for you, and your mother called me to see if you were okay. Like I would know. You better give her a call. Last I knew, she was thinking about calling the police and report you missing. Sheesh, I wasn't gone that long. Richard gives Reason his mail. Thanks. Yeah, just do me a favor. Next time you plan on taking a vacation, let someone know. I'm not your mailman, and I'm certainly not your secretary. Yeah, sure thing. Richard walks away as Reason unlocks the door unaware that the same dark figure that was watching him earlier is watching him now as he disappears into his apartment. Then the man pulls out his cell phone and dials. He's back in his apartment. My men are ready. Just give the word, and we can take care of this right now. No. No, not now, Raven. But soon. Very soon. Moments later... Reason lay on the couch, playing with what looks to be a six-inch titanium rod. As he manipulates the center of the rod, it extends to four feet in length, while at the same time maintaining its weight. He has named the staff Gavagai, 
and prays silently while reflecting on the man who gave it to him. Heavenly Father, I know that I haven't had the opportunity to personally thank Tarlu for being so good to me. Even though I've never known my biological father, he's been like a dad to me. I just pray that wherever he is, that you let him know how much he's meant to me. And if he's still alive, I pray that you... I pray that you heal him completely of his cancer. Reason recounts the moment when Tarlu broke the news to him. He was 23 years old at the time, and Tarlu was a young 67 as they sat together in his dojo. Reason remembers it very clearly. The midday sunlight coming through the window, the musty smell of sweat on his body, and the small box that Tarlu had sitting next to him. Reason, you've been like a son to me. No one could have made me as proud as you have today. You have earned your eighth black belt. But now, I have bitter news for you. I have to leave this place. You will not see me again. But why? Where are you going? I'm dying, Nathan. No. No, not you. You can't die. You're invincible. You're invincible. I've never had any children of my own. And if the state would let me give you this dojo, I would. But I do have something that I can give to you. Tarlu opens the box at his side and presents Reason with Gavagai, the titanium rod that can extend and retract on command and is as light as wood. He lifts it from the box and demonstrates its properties before handing it to Reason. Please accept this gift. It is an ancient relic passed through many generations of my family. Since I have no son of my own, I want you to have it. And as my last act, as your Shihan, I will consider you no longer as my Saison, but as my son. Reason embraces him for the last time before his daydream is interrupted by noises coming from the next room. Get over here. You're gonna do what I say when I say it. No, leave me alone. No, I can't get involved. It's none of my business. He looks over at the wall and to his amazement, watches as light red smoky wisps emanate from the wall that separates the two apartments. Leave me alone. Go away. I, I don't have to listen. I don't have to talk to you. You pay. Hey, I'm talking to you. Ah! Stop it. There's no! something really not right going on over there. Get over here. I can sense a presence of evil in the room. God, what do I do? Sounds of domestic violence escalate. At this, Reason reluctantly stands, retracts Gavagai, and tucks the titanium rod in his back pocket. He exits his apartment and walks to the room next door. Get over here. Go away. This is none of your business. I think it is my business. Ryan, a large man with a buzz cut who looks like he could be in his mid-thirties, looks through the peephole on the other side of the door. He takes out a gun that was wedged in the back of his pants, all the while maintaining a bead on Reason's position. Hey, listen, jerk. I told you this ain't any of your business, so I suggest you take your business elsewhere. I'm afraid I can't do that. What? 
Ryan quickly opens the door, completely taking Reason off guard. He grabs the front of Reason's shirt and with one swift motion, pulls him into the room and throws him on the floor. Gavagai falls from his pocket and rolls out of reach. Reason looks up, noticing a bruised and battered woman crouching defensively in the corner. Ryan closes the door and points the gun at Reason, who is getting to his feet. If you came looking for trouble, Half-Pine, you came to the right place. Reason has his back to Ryan, who trains his loaded gun at his head. Without looking, Reason delivers a roundhouse kick to Ryan's wrist, knocking the gun out of his hand. Both Ryan and Reason scamper to retrieve their weapons. Reason gets to his first. He extends Gavagai and swipes Ryan's legs out from under him, just as he was picking up his gun, which misfires. Reason cracks Ryan's wrist as his staff knocks the gun to the ground. Ryan massages his bruised wrist before feeling white-hot pain course through his skull from being struck hard with Gavagai. Ryan lay flat on his back in a daze. Reason stands over him, pointing Gavagai inches from his face. Ryan's vision slowly comes back into focus. He rubs his bruised forehead, but no longer has any fight in him. Now I want you to get out of here, and I don't want you to bother this woman ever again. Do you understand? It's not over between us, Half-Pint. I don't think you know who you're dealing with. Just get out of here. Ryan struggles to get to his feet. He levels a sinister gaze at the girl in the corner. And you. I'm going to be seeing you again real soon. As Ryan stumbles out of the apartment, Reason walks over and kneels next to the girl. Hey, are you all right? I'm not going to hurt you. You shouldn't have done that, you know. I had to. He could have killed you. It's not as bad as what he's going to do to you when he comes back. You know, I really don't think he's coming back. He is coming back. And he's going to bring others with him this time. What's your name? Why was he hitting you? Hey, you can trust me. My name is Candy. And who was that creep? That was Ryan. He's... He's my boss. He's right, you know. You don't know who you're dealing with. He's well-connected. Now he's going to kill me for sure. And it may have been better off just to have left well alone. I couldn't do that. You were in trouble. So, you're a working girl. And that guy was your pimp. <laughs> now what am I going to do? I can't go back now. I have nowhere to go and no one to turn to. My life is just crap. He's never going to take me back. There's other things you can do with your life, you know. Like what? Become a secretary or a nurse? This is all I know how to do. I'm sorry. Look at you. You risked your life for me. No one's ever done that before. And listen to me complaining. I must seem pretty ungrateful, huh? Well, under the circumstances, I understand. But don't worry. We can get you some help. He doesn't have to bother you again. You can stay on my couch tonight, and we'll work everything out in the morning. You'll see. Everything will work out just fine. Well, I guess I have no place else to go. Thanks. 
That's all right. No, really. Thanks. I mean it. You seem pretty handy with that thing. Where'd you learn to fight like that? Oh, that? That was nothing. Come on, let's get your stuff out of here. Reason brings a cup of something hot and hands it to Candy, who was sitting on the couch thinking about what happened a couple of hours earlier. So, you going to be all right? Yeah. Thanks. You know, I'm really sorry about that whole scene back there. So what are you, my guardian angel? What made you want to help me? You don't even know who I am. I don't think you'd believe me if I told you. Now I'm interested. Tell me. It's a long story. I'm not tired. Well, about three days ago, I was feeling really depressed. Reason shares every detail of the last few days. His depression, his near suicide, and his decision to follow Christ. And now that I've accepted Christ, I feel a new passion for life. I feel like God has a plan for me. Like I'm supposed to do something, but I don't know what it is yet. When you were in trouble, I really felt like I needed to help you. Ah, I told you you wouldn't believe me. When Reason looks over at Candy, she seems distant. Not as if she isn't listening, just as though she is trying to process everything. Candy? Yeah, that is a wild story. But a true one. Do you really think it's safe to stay here tonight? Well, where else would we go? I don't think you want to go to the police station right now. Just get some rest. Tomorrow's a new day. You'll see. Everything will be okay. Yeah? What's supposed to happen tomorrow? Tomorrow things will go back to normal for you. But for me, my life will never be the same. Who knows where I'll be this time tomorrow. After a few more hours of talking, Reason lets Candy have his bed for the night. Before heading to the couch, he slowly closes the door to his bedroom, watching her momentarily as he prays silently. Lord, I apologize for any belly aching I've ever done in the short time that I've known you. This woman has been through more than I'll ever know. I just pray that you protect her, give her safety, and soften her heart to you so that one day she will come to believe in you as well. Amen. Reason rises early from a short, restless night. After sitting on the couch for some time trying to figure out what to do with the woman he has invited into his apartment, he decides to get ready for the day. After showering, he puts on the same clothes he wore the day before as to not disturb Candy, who is sleeping in the room where his fresh clothes are. Reason looks in on her one last time before heading to the living area to make a phone call. Hello? May I speak to Mr. Kessler, please? Hi, Mr. Kessler, this is Reason. Reason, where have you been? Mr. Kessler, I... Do you know that I've been doing your job and mine for the last week? Sir, I'm sorry, but I thought that had already been worked out. Steve said he'd cover for me. Steve? I haven't seen him either. Now you listen to me, and you listen good. Ever since you came to this company, I've had to cover for you. The first few times, I let it slide. But it's getting old, Reason, as old as the gray hairs on my head. Now you tell me what I want to hear right now, and you straighten your act, or you better start looking for another job. I've just about had as much as I'm going to take. I'm sorry, Mr. Kessler. I really am, but I'd appreciate it if you could cover things just for one more day. No, no. Wrong.
wrong answer, buddy. You get your butt in here now, or you won't have a job to come back to. You hear me? I really can't right now. I have some very important things to take care of right now. You know, I thought you were smarter than this. I can see that there's only one way you'll take your job seriously, and that's to find another one. Don't bother coming in. You just bought yourself a ticket in the unemployment line. You're fired. Wait, Mr. Kessler, can we talk about this? I... Mr. Kessler? Reason sits on the couch, stunned and disappointed at the loss of his job. After several moments, he gathers himself, writes a quick note, and places it on the table before leaving the apartment. The note reads, Candy, I had to step out and pick up some groceries. I'll be back soon. Raven and his partner, Sarek, watch as Reason leaves the building. That's him. He's leaving. Let's do it. Sarek hefts a backpack over his shoulder before they make their way into the apartment complex. Inside, Sarek serves as a lookout while Raven picks the lock to Reason's apartment. It doesn't take long for the lock to click open. They both hurry inside and close the door behind them. Sarek hands the backpack to Raven who opens it, taking out a makeshift bomb with a self-triggering detonator. Just give me five minutes to wire this. You keep an eye on the hallway. You got it. Candy wakes up well rested. She slowly gets up and heads to the bathroom. Before rounding the corner, she thinks she hears activity in the living room. Quietly, she peeks around the corner. She sees two men at Reason's front door. Hand me that charger. Almost set. Candy quickly pulls herself back, <laughs> hoping that she wasn't seen. Shh! Did you hear that? Candy's heart is in her throat. She looks to her right and notices a telephone mounted just inside the kitchen area. She tiptoes over to the phone, picks it up, and dials 911. 911, what's your emergency? Hello? I want to report a break-in. They're still in the apartment. Stay calm, ma'am. Just hurry, please. What's your location? The address? Suddenly, Candy feels a hand over her mouth and an arm around her waist. She drops the phone as she is pulled out of the kitchen struggling. Reason pays cash for the bag of groceries in preparation for the morning breakfast that he and Candy will share. Walking just a short distance to his apartment, he is conflicted by the previous day's events. Now what am I going to do? Maybe Kessler will give me my job back. Maybe if I work harder, I'll become the best insurance salesman on the team. I'll be the first one there and the last one to leave. He'll see. Just then, Reason senses something isn't right. Taking a few more steps into the alley leading to his apartment's back entrance, Ryan steps out of the darkness while two of his henchmen block the exit. Each is brandishing a blunt weapon with evil intent in their eyes. One levels a baseball bat in Reason's direction. The other rests a crowbar in his hand. Ryan keeps his eye on every move Reason makes. His expression grows angrier, replaying the beating he took from Reason less than 24 hours earlier. I told you I'd be back, Half-Pint. You don't look so tough now, do you? Do you? Reason fingers Gavagai, his beloved titanium weapon wedged in his back pocket. Ryan, I don't think you want to do this. I don't want to fight you, but I will if you force me to. I think it's fair to mention that I have a black belt in karate. 
Ooh, what? Is that supposed to mean something to me, Half-Pint? The two thugs began to approach Reason with no regard to his warning. Hey, just wait. Shut up. Yesterday he thought it would be funny to come between me and one of the girls. But you won't be laughing when we're finished with you, will you? Will you, you punk? Today you're going to learn a very important lesson, and you're going to learn it the hard way. Reason glances at the window to his apartment, remembering that Candy is asleep inside. Oh, don't worry about Candy. I sent a couple of my boys up to your place to bring her back to her senses. She'll have to learn, and you too, punk. Nobody disrespects me like you did yesterday and lives to tell about it. Yeah, they're going to slice her up real good, but not any place anyone can see. I still need her to work. Now, it's time for payback. Boys, give him something to think about. With little warning, the two converge. Reason drops his bag of groceries. The milk jug cracks open and spills on the ground. Reason slides Gavagai from his back pocket and extends it with a twist of his wrist. One thug swings. Reason ducks low and sweeps his right leg, connecting with the thug's shin, quickly bringing the opponent to the ground. With one low kick to the gut, Reason sends the second back reeling and uppercuts him with the staff, lifting the thug off his feet. The body hits the ground with a thud. The first thug gets to his feet and lunges at Reason. With a quick parry, Reason forces the bat to the side and works him over with a flurry of maneuvers. Shots to the stomach, arms, and head send the man back into the chain link fence. Reason allows gravity to bring him to the ground, unmoving. The second thug regains his footing and rushes Reason with a crowbar. Without looking, Reason brings a roundhouse kick to the thug's right temple, causing him to lose his grip on the weapon. Before the man crumbles to the ground, Reason's staff takes him out of the limbs. The man lays still, unwilling to formulate another attack. Ryan stands watching as his men are picked off, leaving not even a scratch on Reason. Without thinking, he charges Reason in blind anger. He swings twice. Each blow is blocked away with forearm defenses. I don't want to hurt you. Ryan continues his advance, more angry now that he can't connect a single blow. But I guess I have to. Reason turns to the offensive. With a flurry of kicks to the gut and the head, Ryan crumples to his knees. Reason's eyes rest on Ryan, who is panting on the ground, frustrated and weak. A jolt of realization snaps Reason to attention. Candy! Raven stands above on the catwalk and joins the fight. Flipping open his cell phone, his eyes follow as Reason hurries into the building. He's on his way up. Make sure he doesn't come out. Running full speed, Reason tears around the corner, leading to his apartment. Almost as if in slow motion, he watches two of Ryan's men trying to break into the apartment. Wisps of red that only Reason can see float around the two assailants. Before he can react, before he can even think, the two men begin to kick down the door. Open the door, Candy. We know you're in there. Hey, wait! The explosion from the bomb set by Raven and Sarek ripped through the bodies of the two unsuspecting men. Door and wall fragments litter the hallway. Reason snaps back to consciousness as he finds that the force of the blast sent him flying back several yards. Banged and bruised with ears ringing and vision blurred, Reason gets to his feet. Some people are looking out of their apartment doors. Others are running for the exit. Stumbling toward the remains of his apartment, Reason notices an old lady looking on in stunned silence. Call the police. Go! Reason extends Gavagai and slowly rounds the corner of what was once his apartment. Smoke, flames, and foggy haze cloud his vision. Candy? Candy!
shocked by the amount of damage caused by the explosion. Reason navigates through flames and dangerous debris, making his way to where he left Candy sleeping. Candy? Where? She's not here. Thank God. Who would do this? After checking a few other rooms, Reason is convinced that Candy wasn't there during the explosion. As he stumbles out of the apartment, someone approaches him in concerned haste. Hey, mister, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. It's Raven. But to Reason, he's just a typical concerned citizen, until he notices red wisps of smoke appearing around the man. Hey, let's get you to a hospital. As Raven approaches, his right hand slips into his gun belt. Puzzled but certain of Raven's intentions, Reason bolts toward the exit. The chase ensues as Raven pulls the gun out of his belt and fires a few rounds, but too late. Reason blasts through the stairway exit to find himself face to face with two men dressed in a black suit and tie, much like Raven. They reach for the weapons, but not before Reason disables them with a quick jab from Galagai, sending one operative flailing down the staircase with the gun flying from his grasp. The second operative manages to pull his weapon just as it is met with a blow from Reason's titanium staff. The gun falls harmlessly down the staircase. With a shot of adrenaline, Reason darts past the two disabled operatives and heads down the stairs, leaping several stairs at a time. Raven throws the door open only to see his two operatives getting to their feet and a glimpse of Reason at the bottom of the staircase. Get up! Get after him! The two operatives shuffle down the staircase and burst open the outside doors. Reason is nowhere in sight. Just around the corner, he is climbing the fire exit, which leads to the roof. Meanwhile, two operatives sit comfortably inside a Lincoln town car. Candy is in the back seat, tied and gagged. Did you hear that explosion, Missy? That means your boyfriend is dead. Don't worry about it, Lash. Your turn is coming soon enough. As soon as his death is confirmed, you'll be joining him. You know the number of it is, Lass. You don't even know who you spent the night with, eh? What's more, I bet he doesn't even know who he is. What a blooming shame. Going out and not even knowing why. Why are you telling her all of this, man? You know what happens if Herrick finds out. No matter, mate. She'll be dead in less than an hour. Then who's she gonna tell? Besides, I haven't told her anything, really, have I? I don't care if she was a corpse already. Stop talking about him. I gotta take a leak. I'll be right back. Reason pulls himself on the roof of the apartment building. From this vantage point, he can see events unfolding. In the distance, fire trucks are making their way through the traffic. Residents of the apartment continue to pour out of the building, but no sight of the men in black. Oh, God. Who were those guys? Why were they trying to jump me? I don't see them anywhere. Oh, no. Where's Candy? They must have her. Lord, please don't let anything happen to that girl. What am I to do now? Lord, show me the way, please. His eye catches Sarek leaving the parked town car and walking behind a bush to relieve himself. Inside, Candy's hands find their way to the car's door lock. She can't get a handle on it, but after a few jiggles, it works. The lock pops. Grauman, the operative inside, doesn't hear it over his personal commentary. He's a little paranoid, don't you think, lass? All I'm saying is that one minute you're here minding your own business and the next you're nothing but ashes. And ten months later, nobody remembers why. But I've got my future planned out. Three years from now, it's smooth sailing. Candy works the handle, and after two tries, the door flies open. She stumbles out of the car, but awkwardly lands headfirst on the pavement. 
Before she can get to her feet, Gramen is upon her and forces her back into the car. Where do you think you're going, little lady? You try that again, lass, and I won't wait for the report. I'll shoot you right here, eh? Test me and find out. An angry look crosses Sarek's face. His young punk sidekick, Gramen, is acting unprofessional again. Why can't he do this one little thing right? She's just a girl, and an unarmed one at that. With one last puff of his cigarette, he finishes his business in the bushes. Before he can turn to make his way back to the car, all he sees is a white flash as Reason's titanium rod smashes against his left temple. Then, the light goes dark. Inside the car, Grauman has regained control of Candy. He got away. Bring the girl to headquarters right away. If we have her, he may come to us. Right away. Hey, Sarek. Sarek, we've got to go, so hurry it up, mate. Sarek. Grauman exits the car cautiously. He pulls his pistol and rounds the front of the car. Candy watches as Reason pole vaults over the bushes. Before Grauman can react, Reason brings his staff down heavy on his wrist, sending the gun to the ground. With a fluid motion, the staff swings back up, catching Grauman in the chin, sending him on the hood of the car. That powerful stroke was all it took to stop him as he slides off the hood of the car and lies still on the pavement. Candy, are you okay? <laughs> Raven and the two other operatives pile into a black car and leave before the fire trucks and police cars pull into the parking lot. He got away. I have sent four operatives out to look for him and two to stake out his apartment. We will find him, and when we do, I will give you his liver on a silver platter. Inside what looks like a dungeon stands a shadowed figure. He wears a blood-red robe with a bony apparatus clutching his skull. His skin is pale gray. Only candles light the room. Forgive me if I don't share your enthusiasm, Raven. You have failed. Find him and find him soon, or I'll be forced to induct a new first. We will find him. The dark figure turns to observe the body of a man chained motionless to a metal slab. Two dark figures stand on each side, holding him down. The body moves slightly, breathing, then buckles twice, then violently. Red wisps of demonic oily substances manifest and stream into the body. And as suddenly as it began, the man's body grows rigid and still. His eyes turn a cloudy red. Herrick, the man in the red robe, smiles with a dark grin of satisfaction. It looks like we'll have to turn up the heat. Aggravane, you'll have to be ready sooner than expected. The door cracks open to an empty, darkened hotel room. Light pours in from the hallway. Candy steps in hesitantly, still visibly shaken from recent events. Reason follows closely behind. Watch your step. This is where it all began. This is where I almost took my life. But instead I was given a new life. Reason turns the lights on, and Candy looks around the simple room, imagining that this could have been the last place Reason would see in this life. Listen, Candy. Susan. My real name is Susan. Ryan gave me the name Candy. I never liked it. Susan. That's a nice name. Susan... I don't know what's going on here. I don't know who those people were, but whatever is happening, I don't want to get you wrapped up in this. We have to get you to a safe place. We're safe now. 
Yes, I, I guess we are. Are you okay? A little shaken up, but I'm fine. Reason seats Susan on the bed to examine her closer. That's a nasty bump you have on your head. It's fine. When they had me in the car, they were talking about you. They were speaking as if you were someone special. Who are you really? What are you talking about? I'm nobody. I'm a guy who works at an insurance firm. Well, was a guy who worked there. I don't have any friends. Don't know anybody important. I don't even have any money. As a matter of fact, I'm in serious debt. Believe me, I'm nobody special. Whoever they think I am, they've got the wrong guy. Well, whoever you are, you saved my life for a second time. I hope we don't get into a habit of this. So you don't have anybody, and I don't have anybody. What do we do now? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Hmm. Let me check something. Reason moves over to the table stand and opens the drawer. The only item sitting there brings a flood of emotion. It is the Holy Bible. Reason picks it up and stares at the golden text inlay on the cover. Wow, looks like they've put a new Bible in here already. I walked off with the last one. I'm sure it got burned in the explosion. Reason, there's been something I've wanted to talk to you about. Remember when you told me the story of what happened in this room? Yes. It was almost like deja vu. Almost as if I knew what you were going to tell me. I've been having this dream where a man, a very kind man, would talk to me. And he told me that my life was going to change. I thought it was just a dream. But what if it wasn't? I mean, look. My life has changed, and all within 24 hours. That man in my dream was so kind. His eyes were so innocent. The dream was so vivid. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think I'd like to know more about what happened to you. Tell me more about what you learned from reading the Bible. Reason walks to the bed with Bible in hand. He sits closer to Susan this time and lays the Bible on his lap. I'd be happy to, Susan. Actually, I'm, I'm glad you asked because I've wanted to talk to you more about this too. But before I do, I have a very serious question to ask you. And I want you to give it serious thought before you answer. Yeah? Do you know where you're going when you die? You see, that's the question I had to ask myself before I could fully come to the truth. Now I know where I'm going. I'm certain that I'm going to heaven, and I want you to be just as sure. I'm not going to heaven. How could I after all I've done? You know my lifestyle. You know what I've done. Yes, I do know. And I know that God can forgive all of that. It says it in the Bible. He's forgiven me too. It doesn't matter what you've done. You can go to heaven. All you have to do is accept Jesus into your heart. There are so many things that you don't know about me. How can you say that I will be forgiven? Susan, God wouldn't lie. And his Bible says that he will forgive you of every sin. That means everything. I want so badly to believe you, to start all over again. Susan, a long time ago, God sent his son Jesus into the world. It was his only son. He sent him into the world to forgive sins, to give us a chance to have things right between us and God. So what he did was he died on the cross for our sins. Before he did that, we were all destined for hell. Even the best of us couldn't make it into heaven. 
Jesus was God in human form. And the Bible says that there can be no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. Before Jesus, they had to sacrifice animals to get back in good relationship with God. But Jesus was that sacrifice for us. Now even the worst of us can go to heaven. He already made it possible. Believe me, Susan, there are people in this world who have done worse things than you. Worse things than you could ever imagine. And they are going to heaven because they believe in Jesus and what he did when he came to earth. What do I have to do, Reason? You have to admit that you have sinned, which you've already done. You have to believe that Jesus died for those sins and that you've been forgiven of them. And now you have to confess with your mouth that you believe and turn from your sins. God will make you a new person. Then you'll know where you're going when you die. I can pray with you if you want. Would you? Just bow your head, close your eyes, and tell God how you feel. I'll start. Lord, I thank you for showing Susan the way and giving her a new life. Your Bible says that you're not willing that any of us perish. Thank you for bringing another into your fold. I pray that you encourage Susan, give her peace, and show her how to live as a follower of Christ. Now you pray. God, I'm sorry for the person that I've been all these years. I've never done anything right in my life. I ran away when I was only 13. I've been living a life as a prostitute ever since then. I've never known anything else. But now you've given me hope for something new. I give my life to you, God. Do with it what you will. I believe that you died for my sins, and I believe that I'm going to heaven because you promised it in the Bible. I don't want to be like I used to be. I want to be a new person. I know it won't be easy, but I'm asking that you change me. Thank you, God, for allowing me to go to heaven. Help me to understand everything about you and every day to remember this prayer. Amen. Oh, and Lord, we don't know what's going on right now. Someone just made an attempt on both of our lives, and we don't know why. I pray that you protect us both. Help us to stay alive and figure out what's going on. Help us to be good Christians, faithful to you and to what your Bible says. Amen. Amen. Feel better? Yes, like a weight's been lifted off my shoulders. <laughs> What's so funny? I guess everything happens for a reason. What do you mean? Well, I wouldn't have guessed even three days ago that I'd be here talking to you and able to say that I'm a new Christian. And look at you. Three days ago, you had a job, an apartment, and you were even about to kill yourself. Now we're both here running for our lives from a group of assassins that are trying to kill us for no apparent reason. It's just amazing that two perfect strangers have gotten together in such a short period of time, and that so much has happened to change our lives. None of this makes any sense. But it's strange. Somehow I feel better off than I did before I ran into you and all of this started happening. I have to admit, my life has never been this exciting. You're right. You know, I think that God has something planned for us, for both of us. I don't know if we'll have to accomplish them together or apart. One thing is for sure, though, we no longer have anything to lose. 